Welcome to the Gill Seekers Podcast. Each week we'll bring you tips and techniques to land more rainbow trout here in BC's lakes and a few real tales from our weekend fishing trips. I'm Brent Borthistle. And I'm Brent Fukumoto. So grab a beer, a cup of Tim's, and let's bend those rods. Welcome to another episode of the Gill Seekers Podcast. Thank you everybody who has been downloading our episodes. Um, we are super excited to bring you another episode this week where we have Carrie Parsons from Blackwater Guiding. Um, we're going to be interviewing him about what it's like to be a guide, some different types of fishing that he does, um, his PCM Memorial Derby that he's putting on this May long weekend, and he's got quite the real tale for you. Um, I'll just give you a hint that it's from somewhere down in Florida. So buckle up and hope you guys enjoy this episode just as much as we did. And thanks again for listening and hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Carrie. This is Carrie. Hey, this is Brent Borthesel here. How are you tonight, my friend? Good. How are you doing? Good, keeping busy, getting ready for the derby, I guess, eh? Yeah, our property's a work in progress, and this year we have double the people coming, so I have to build an outhouse today, because there's going to be some poo at the derby, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. that's about it. Getting... Um, so why don't, we, uh, why don't we just start out by, um, if you don't mind introducing yourself a little bit. And uh, okay. maybe saying what company you work for, and then we can get right into some questions. All right. Well, my name's Kerry Parsons, uh, based out of the Fraser Valley. Um, I own a company called Blackwater Guiding, and what we're trying to do is be as much as an adventure tourism company as we are a fish guiding company, um, because we own a small ranch in basically on the Highway 5A, on the way to Princeton, between Merritt and there. And uh, we can offer fishing, trout fishing up here, we can offer quadding, horseback riding up here, and on top of that we can offer salmon, sturgeon, steelhead fishing, um, pretty much any option you want. We can even do the ocean. So anybody that would want to come and fish with us, you have your choice of pretty much any season or any fishery that BC can offer. And uh, that's a little rundown on me. Wow, perfect. Well, Fuchs got a couple questions here, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll get more into uh, exactly what your company is about, and then your upcoming derby this weekend. Um, so yeah, go ahead, Fuchs. Hey, Carrie. Um, good to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you there. Uh, I'm also the other Brent, but yeah, everybody just calls me Fuchs, so you can uh, <laughs> you can go with that. Um, all right here. So our first kind of question for you kind of just answered it, but, uh, we'll just go with it. Um, so like where and when did you kind of start fishing? Well, I grew up on the banks of the Fraser River as a little kid, probably six, seven years old. We lived right, basically right on the Fraser River in the Pitt Meadows area, if you know where that is. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, pretty much spent my whole childhood fishing the Fraser and then the assorted rivers in the immediate area, like the Alouette, the Coquitlam, um, the Kanaka, all of those ones that you can reach on a pedal bike. Right and on. then from there, it just, uh, you know, like the saying goes, the 
Doug is a drug. Uh, yeah. We uh, we were actually saying that this weekend there when we were out fishing, and uh, uh, Borth here hadn't actually heard that before, so it's kind of funny that you say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, second question here. Um, where do most of your clients come from? And then kind of a two part is, what's the farthest place that someone has come from to uh, fish with you? Uh, the farthest place, I guess, is Ontario. Oh, yeah. um, I've only been guiding for, this is my third year now, so right. I imagine I'll be able to expand on that in a couple of years quite a bit more. Right. But right now, uh, Ontario is the furthest. Oh, nice. And uh, other than that, mostly because as I got started, you know, I live in Mission, which is the sturgeon capital of the world, basically. Right. Um, a lot of my clientele are from, you know, the Fraser Valley, anywhere to Hope, uh, right. basically to Ladner. Right on. And then, uh, you know, the uh, the steelhead thing, you know, it's a hit and miss thing. You know, as, as I build my clientele better, I'll probably get to do a lot more steelhead, which is my passion. That's my favorite thing is throwing flies at steelhead and rainbow trout and stuff like that. Right, for sure. Yeah, I was out steelheading in uh, in Campbell River there this winter. Uh-huh. And, yeah, I was kind of like, I've been a few times, but it was kind of my first big steelheading trip. And uh, we got into a couple, but, yeah, I could see how... You know, just the elusiveness of them is kind of a addicting thing to f- once you finally get into them and and uh, and find them and stuff and catch them. Especially um, on a fly rod, there's just nothing better. It, it just I always say it never gets old. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you don't mind me butting in here, Carrie, um, how do you uh, get most of your clients? Do they just come right from your website or from word of mouth? It's been kind of a mixture. Facebook is just an amazing tool. It, uh, it's probably half of my work has come through Facebook and my friends sharing posts and stuff like that. Wow. Um, the internet is great, but, you know, my website's on the internet, but everyone's watching a scroll every day on Facebook, you know, posting pictures, and, you know, that's pretty much the, where the, where my bulk of my clientele is coming from right now. Wow, interesting. So you, do you spend a lot more time on your social media accounts than you would sort of developing your web page? Well, I've got a great guy. His name's Brian Dew. He built my website for me. He's like, uh, I'm going to say, a website entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, and as well, he's one of my assistant guides. He's a fabulous trout fisherman as well. Um, so he built my website for me, and then, uh, you know, it's in his interest, too, to get as much work as we can. So he kind of takes the, the helm for that and posts and does everything for me. So I'm, I'm more on the river on the lake tossing flies and I am punching keys hey that's alright hey yeah <laughs> that's a good trade off <laughs> yeah no kidding alright so, I'll, pa- yeah. I'll pass it on to Brent here and he, he's sure. got a few more um sure so how do you how did you get into being a fishing guide I guess you said you just got started three years ago yeah I started my own company three years ago but I'm gonna say around 2001 my brother Kevin, he uh, bought a big jet boat, and at first he started just driving it, loving it, and we were doing a lot of fishing in it as he learned to drive it, and he had an opportunity to do some sturgeon guiding, because he's, he's really good at that, and uh, so I was at Gilligan for a little while, and realized that was fun as hell, yeah. and then uh, over the years, just the diversity of fisheries we did and learned, and we realized that, you know, we have a lot to offer to a lot of people if they want to learn how to do all of these fisheries, so um, when the time was right for me which was when we bought our ranch up here. Um, I, I felt it was time to go out and spread the wealth. 
Yeah, no kidding. Well, that yeah, that's super cool. Um, what advice would you have for a fisherman aspiring to become a guide? Like, not necessarily in the Fraser Valley, I guess, because it seems like that's a pretty starting to be more of a flooded market over the last couple of years. But just in general, a fishing guide, whether it's still water or ocean or whatever. I would have to say, just first of all, I always say my main thing when I tell all my friends is you don't get them if you don't go. If you have a spare minute to fish, you have to fish. And you have to fish all the rivers and the lakes and the streams seasonally. you got to be the guy on the river every day. So and the best advice I would say is fish every single moment you can. Yeah. And wh- how would you say that you knew that you were ready to be a fishing guide? Or did you just start without really knowing and um, you developed from there, I guess? Um, my job as a commercial cleaner is what I do actually I'm a window cleaner by trade and uh, many years ago it gave me the chance to work two days a week and yet fish five days a week and over all that time I realized that you know I've caught hundreds maybe thousands of fish on a fly rod on bait rod and whatnot like that Um, as my friends came along and started learning with me and watching the look on their face made me realize that I love fishing, yes, but I actually really love watching somebody else get their first fish or watch their face when they feel that tug that I know so well. That's what does it for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's nothing better than seeing somebody catch catch a fish on a fly rod for the first time. And the experience is actually pretty fresh in my mind when I caught my first fish on a fly rod with the fly that I tied from our uh, local um, fly fishing club that we had on our high school. And, uh, yeah, it's a pretty pretty special experience that I can't say I've had very often in my life. Like, the, the, one of the most rewarding trips I ever had was pretty much my first trip ever. Um, I had a father and a son who basically had no idea how to fly cast. And they wanted to go and catch a steelhead on a fly. Um, so I took them to my backyard river, which I know very well. It's called the State River. Um, took them out there. And this fishery in the spring is... It's amazing. You're, it's like you're hunting bonefish. These fish feed on the fry in the shallows in like one and two feet of water. So you just sit down and you watch till you see them picking off fry. So you take your customer, you go down there, and you let him start flipping. And to see his face when that steelhead is cartwheeling down the run on the end of his line, it's priceless. It's so rewarding. <laughs> no kidding. That's, that's everything for me. Oh, I'll bet. Um... Well, what what would you say is your biggest struggle as a guide? Um, not necessarily, I guess, in just a daily um, operation, but more in the day-to-day operations of your entire guiding business. Uh, trying to be a media whore. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not that guy. I feel like I'm shamelessly bragging, posting pictures of myself and my friends. It, I'm not that guy. I, I have a real problem with that. Yeah. But given the market and that I'm trying to make a living from it, I have to be that guy. That's a real struggle for me. I, I'm a kind of a shy person a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I have a hard time with that. But yeah. so other than that, there's every aspect. I, I don't really have a hard time with it. I think uh, it's my thing. It's my calling. I'm good at it. I'd like to do it. Yeah, I think it's that that's totally fair enough. I think it makes sense because there's from what I can tell anyways, there's a lot of um well, a lot of fishing guides who are either really good at marketing themselves or they're really good at fishing and there's very few that are good at both. And I also I also 
also do notice, I've, I've, sorry to interrupt you there. No problem. Um, I've had a few customers say to me, you know, I don't really care. It's about the experience and the whole package. It's the lunch you cook for them. It's the, the you know, the boring day-to-day conversation you have with every different person, but you're somebody different that they're having those conversations with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more about being just a cool guy and being a different face to listen to the stories and their fish stories and stuff as it is even catching fish. It's not just the tug being the drug, it's the whole package, right? Yeah. Well, and yeah, that's that's almost why or um, exactly what we like about fishing, right? It's not necessarily just going out and slaying 50 fish a day, even though that's a really fun day whenever you do do that. But the best the best times fishing are when you're hanging out with good buds, going up some random logging road, or having some crappy adventure that ends up being funny a year later. <laughs> Absolutely. The best times fishing or anything are shared with friends and family. Yeah. What is that? I hate <laughs> fishing by myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried it a couple of weeks ago and I lasted about two and a half hours. I just I couldn't talk to myself for two and a half hours. <laughs> I bring my dog and it's it's almost like having a buddy there. It is, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I can't net the fish for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Alright, Carrie. Uh what has been um, your best and worst days guiding? Uh, so- sometimes on this podcast, we really kind of like to tell the best and the worst, so we, we figured we'd see what you had to offer. Well, my worst just happened the other day, so we'll go with the bad first. <laughs> um, this was three weeks ago. The weather was beautiful, hot, and gorgeous, and I took four clients in two boats out, two days, and zero bites. Really? It was brutal. And you know what? When you asked me a while ago what things don't you like or what's hard about guiding, those are the hard days. Oh, yeah. The pressure's kind of on. It is. Even even though fishing's fishing and most people know that, it's still a tough thing. They're paying you to catch fish. Yeah, that's hard. Like like when my buddies come down from uh, Campbell River and that, we kind of trade off uh, fishing, and so the other one kind of guides the other one and yeah like when he's coming like he's coming this friday and i'm kind of already been prepping thinking about different lakes i'm going to take him to and yeah like all you want is just them to catch fish it's like as soon as you get a few in the boat like oh you can just kind of relax eh? yeah the pressure's off um but my best day i would have to say my best day guiding um would probably be my first guiding trip, which right. I was putting my two first guys on. They hooked four steelhead each their first day fly fishing for steelhead. Wow, that's awesome. It was an awesome day, yeah. How often does that happen, that somebody will catch four steelhead in one day? Pretty much never. It took yeah. me years to catch my first one on a fly. No kidding. Like my, my buddy, he had the winter off, and he kind of, he was from Smithers area. And he fished there and then over to uh, down in Camel with us. And, yeah, I think he was probably fishing for three weeks, and he didn't touch a steelhead in that whole time. Yeah. Yeah, they're a hard fish to catch. It's, uh, it means something when you get one on a fly. It means everything. So w- would you say that there's more, I guess we were just talking about the pressure, would you say there's more pressure when it comes to guiding when you're fishing for steelhead than it is when you're fishing for rainbow trout, like in the Princeton area? <laughs> Um, no, because you can always catch fish in the lakes. Yeah. Pretty much always. Other than two weeks ago when I tried to. 
But uh, Steelhead's a tough thing. You know, you can even put, I can, like that Stave River I was telling you about, you can see the fish in the water. You can see them come up and smash your fly. Right. Sometimes they're in front of you and they just cannot hook them. They won't bite, right? Oh, yeah. So you can put the people on them, but there's nothing you can do to help them hook them. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, why don't we get into uh, the derby that you have coming up this weekend. Um, maybe talk about a few of the lakes in that um, that, that we can fish, um, and then anything else that you'd like to say about it. Cool, I'm excited about it. This is our second annual. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the name Peter Morrison. He was uh, a saint of a man in the fishing industry. He pretty much knew everybody. Uh, he was a master fly caster and an idol of mine. He passed away a couple of years ago, so in his name, we're holding this derby, and we're holding right. it for charity, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and the two causes that were near and dear to his heart were the Diabetes Foundation right. and uh, the Steelhead Society, so that's who we're donating to this year. Right, awesome. Um, and what's unique about this derby is um, it's two days, not just one, mm-hmm. so you get a chance not just one day to catch a big fat trout so that's kind of cool yeah i get a couple days to figure out the lakes and stuff eh? a little bit yeah you know everyone usually it's just you know the bell goes you got one day and if you don't pull it off in one day well sorry about your luck yeah so yeah that's kind of a unique thing and then on top of that we live um i guess 18k down highway 5a on the way to princeton and that area is called pike mountain Right. Um, and on on Pike Mountain, there are many great lakes. Mm-hmm. So, so, oh, just just one thing, Carrie. So, I work for BCTS there in Merritt. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, quite a few of our operating areas are kind of mixed in there. So I, I'm really excited because I've only been in Merritt for eight months. So I'm really excited to try out some of these lakes coming up here. I've been so busy building the ranch here, getting everything ready for everybody. I haven't had the time to actually go. Right. After all these lakes over the four years we've been here, so I've been trying to take some time in the last two weeks here and check them all out. Right. Have a look at the launches for everybody so they know what to expect. So yeah. we did that, and we just finished it today, in fact. So nice. we'll go over a couple of them here for you guys. Uh, so we're going to start with Hook Lake. Hook Lake isn't on Pike Mountain, but it's right behind my property, so we're throwing it in there. Nice. Um, <laughs> Hook Lake is a medium-sized lake. Beautiful shoals, sunken islands, and it has wild strain, beautiful wilds in it, right. and uh, triploid canasque rainbows. Nice. And, and there's fatties in there. I myself have seen 10-pounders break my friends off. Jeez, hey? Yeah, and it's a good lake. I like it. So we're Might have to get a little bit bigger tippet for this weekend <laughs> yeah. than 5-pound uh, test there. I use fluorocarbon 8-pound. Yeah. You got to. Yeah. Yep. So there's that one. And then the next one in line, I'd have to say, is Cump Lake, which is really close to my place as well. Um, it's full of triploid panask that just kick your butt. Great lake. Love it. They put, I think, 7,000 trout a year in it. Okay. Uh, hook as well. There's lots of fish in them. Nice. Now, uh, Hook Lake, the launch at Hook is suspect at best. If you don't care about your trailer too much, uh, you can fish it. But otherwise, it's a car topper. Cump Lake has a great launch on it. Um, it's a good lake. Lots of guys can fish it. And like I say, the fish are second to none in there. Right. Awesome. And I, I, was, I was just holding a five-pounder 
powder out of that lake in my hand yesterday. Oh, beauty. Well, I kind of like the sounds that uh, Hook Lake has a crappy boat launch. and uh, That's kind of our style. Yeah, our style is to go to the hardest access place possible. <laughs> okay, well, the one for you is in line yet. I'll get to that oh, one. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> uh, and it's a beauty. Uh, so we did comp. Laird Lake is, I'm throwing Laird Lake in there because of the name of my company. My company is Blackwater Guiding. And in Laird, there's Blackwater Trout. Yeah. And big ones at that. Nice. So, and it's a beautiful launch, super access. The whole half end of the lake is basically a 20 foot flat bottom weed bed. It's prime for chronomage. It's a great lake. And on top of it, there's brook trout in there. Oh, oh beauty. Yeah. So how big do the brook trout get? Brook, sorry, how big do the brook trout get? Uh, I've held maybe a two pounder in my hand. Right. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Not nice bad. Brook trout though. And then the next in line is my favorite lake on all these lakes around here, Stalia Lake. Right. There's a great launch on it. It's big. It's deep. It's finicky. But I've held many six and seven pounders in my hands, and I've seen twelve and fourteen pounders in there. Jeez. Wow. There's hogs in there. That's a massive fish, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we, we've like I fished the shoe shop bucktail in the shoe shop in the spring, and uh-huh. he, even though like even like the biggest I pulled out of there is nine pounds, and I couldn't That's Im- huge. I couldn't imagine what a fourteen pounder looks like though. Like, oh. Well, if if you end up fishing it, this is what you do if you want to see them. Down at the north end of Salia Lake, there's a cabin there. Right. And. To the right side of that cabin, which would be the east side, if you were looking at the cabin from the lake, uh, there's a 25-foot drop-off edge there. Go up there and drop your anchor on the edge in five feet of water and just watch the rock wall. You see these big whales swimming up and down it all day long. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I really like that lake. And then the bonus of it is it's attached to Cump, or sorry, not Cump, um, uh, Ricky Lake. And they're attached by a little... I don't know, some kind of spawning channel thing. Right. And that lake has the most shoal and weed bed and marl I've seen in any of the lakes around there. It's beautiful. And there's a great launch on it as well. Nice. And so, uh, so I guess the fi- the fish would be of similar size in uh, Ricky, said it was called? Yes. What yeah. I honestly think is Ricky is way more buggy, has way more... It's a way nicer lake for chronomid fishing. I honestly think the big ones go from Thalia over to Ricky at a period in time. Mm. How would they not? Because uh, is good on one end. Right. Um, but there isn't a lot of room for 10 or 15 boats on there. There's quality fishing room for three or four. Whereas Ricky has room for 50 people on there because it's all prime chronomid area. Yeah. And pro- yeah, probably early spring or something, eh, when they're looking to get a big feed on, the big boys kind of head in there late evening or something, I bet, eh? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Nice. I think that's the one I'm going to fish with the derby myself. <laughs> you might see us just uh, following you around a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we won't then, be alone. <laughs> um, the next one on my list is Robertson. I just fished this one today. Um the weather was changing, so we didn't really get any quality fishing time on there. We got out late. Was it uh, windy it, today for you? Not on that lake. No, it, it was 
not too bad at all. It was this is a tiny it, little pothole lake. It was, eh? Doing 30 miles or something on you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like tumbleweeds up against the vehicles in the parking lot like usual and stuff. So I was wondering what the, what the lakes are going to be like. But that's good to hear that they're not too windy. Well, you can always find a spot out of the wind anyway if you got to. Yeah. But it's, it is merit after all. It's windy. Once 1 o'clock comes up, it's going to be windy. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, the... The lake that I've never seen till two days ago, Goose Lake, looks spectacular to me. I can't wait to fish it. It's huge. It's covered in weed bed shoals. Outstanding. Can't wait to try it. How, how close is that lake to uh, the rest of them? It is the furthest away, and it's on the very top of the mountain. It's about, I'm going to say from my property, a 40-minute ride. Okay. And so which is the one that you said is pretty, pretty tough access into? It's called Stony, and it's about half a kilometer right before Goose. Okay. Uh, it's there isn't even a campsite. There's a parking lot with a makeshift spot for a tent, <laughs> and they put I think 700 trout a year in it, right. and it is the size of I'm gonna say half of Corbett. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But so it's pretty got small. It's tiny, and it's full of triploids. I was just looking last night. They put a lot of fish in it for a tiny little lake. When did they last put, did they stock it this year, or? They skipped this year, and they put them in the year before last. Yeah, 2015 they skipped, so 2014 was the last time they put them in. So they'll be, they'll be big. Yeah. They should be good, yeah. What do they grow, two pounds a year? Is that what those triploids grow? Like we have some around Salmon Arm where we're from. The one lake they stocked, and it's been I think four years or something like that. Phillips, oh, yeah. been I think four years, and guys are hauling thirteen pounders out of it. Wow! Like that's, a, that's amazing. That's oh yeah, steelhead. Oh, like and yeah, just chromers, but they're just super fat because the feed's so high in this lake. Like a lot of a lot of shrimp. So, oh, yeah. yeah, they and just feed on them all winter too and get fat. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what lake do you think is gonna? If you could place your bet, what <laughs> lake do you think is gonna win the Derby, or your top top two maybe? My top two, if I had to call it, mm-hmm. I've seen the big. Oh, it's tough. Man. I'm gonna say I've seen the biggest fish in Hook and Thalia. Yeah. Okay, so, fine. so how how is it gonna work? How do the prizes work at this Derby? Um, the boat, I'm sure you saw if you checked out the website. Yeah, the boat, when, when, when you purchase your derby entry, that gets you a ticket. And that ticket gives you an opportunity to get the boat. So even if you don't win anything or even catch a fish, you can still win that boat. That's decent. <laughs> That'd be an all right uh, surprise to not catching any yeah, fish. Yeah, pretty, pretty good participation, though. <laughs> Absolutely. And then we have so many prizes. So we have... Great prizes right down to probably 7th or 8th spot. Um, and then we have many auction prizes from some local artists who do some great work to uh, custom tied, like full custom. You buy the blank at the auction if you win it, and you send it to a guy who is in Kelowna who is like world famous custom rod tire, and you tell him what you want to do to that rod, and he does it. Wow. That sounds so cool. Yeah, it's amazing. Like his rods sell for like twelve, fourteen hundred bucks all over the world. Holy smokes! So we're gonna auction those two off, and then 
there's a friend of mine, his name's Charlie Clark. You've probably seen his pictures on Facebook going around. He does amazing, bright, beautiful, vibrant colors of trout and steelhead and salmon. Nice. Well, when you're on Facebook tonight and check out Charlie Clark art, you'll be amazed. So he did a custom painting for us that he's going to do every year in a series for the Derby. Mm-hmm. Oh, very cool. Um, and then what else do we got? We got a couple firearms courses donated, so there'll be prizes. Well, there's just so many things, and this goes on. Awesome. I think so, Sage, so, sorry, uh, go ahead. I think Sage donated uh, two rods. Um, there's an electric motor is one of the prizes. Oh, beauty! So I need many. a motor. Yeah, you do need a motor. <laughs> <laughs> um, so will uh, will there just be one prize for the biggest fish caught at the Derby, or will each lake have its own individual prizes? Uh, we're we're hoping everyone will tell us what lake they're going to go to on the way. So we're hoping to have biggest fish on whatever lake. Nice. Okay. That would be cool. Yeah, that yeah, that would be cool. So then everybody just doesn't go to Thalia or something like that, yeah. Exactly. Now, there's all these lakes. We pick them partly because they're full of triploids, and as we know, triploids just keep on growing. So, I mean, the triploid program has been running for years and years now, so all of these lakes have big fat trout in them, without a doubt. So I don't think anyone has to worry about thinking one has more than another. I think people should really think about how many people are going to be on each individual lake before they make the decision. That's kind of the main thing that drives us in every yeah. every lake that we pick. <laughs> where can I go where there's going to be the least amount of people? <laughs> that would be stony, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe that's where we'll be going then. Um, just uh, just out of curiosity, I guess, what would uh, what what would your favorite strain of trout be to catch between the Blackwater, Panask, and are there, well, there's not Fraser Derby. Valleys in, in this yeah. Derby? I don't, uh, no, there's not. And, you know, in my opinion, I don't really like catching Fraser Valleys, they're lazy pigs. Yeah, yeah. they're just dogs, eh, that just kind of stay down and roll and, like, they're yeah. almost like catching, uh, squawfish a little bit, yeah. I feel like. Yeah, or just like dollies, right? Yeah. 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 We, uh, we got one lake around Salmon Arm, also that they stocked with Gerard's. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and they are aggressive, and I, they did it because this lake used to have perch, and then they killed it, but they weren't positive they got them all, so they stocked them with Gerard's to get the rest of them. And there is some, very cool. Yeah, there's some big fish coming out of there now too. That's what I like about Blackwater. Blackwater's feed on shiners and all the lakes around here. Right. Uh, so um, in Laird Lake, we. When we first bought our property up here, I wanted to check out a little local lake, so I went there, and the first day I got a pair of four-pound blackwaters, and they kicked my ass, <laughs> but the only thing is they don't really jump. Right. They just run and scream and pull forever, but they don't jump. My uh, my wife came to visit me up in the Caribou um, maybe two, three weeks ago, because um, I was working up there, so she came up on a Wednesday, and we fished uh, Crystal Lake for maybe an hour and a half two hours yeah. and uh i missed my first fish and then just as i go to cast again i hear her reel just zinging out and her rods in the water and she's kind of she's almost screaming and uh <laughs> so i just had to i dropped my rod and got my neck because i instantly knew it was a monster fish and it was a black water um because that, that's what i think they stock that lake with is black water trout and yeah it was yeah. a seven pounder and her rod was in the water 
more than it was out, I think. Yeah. So yeah, those those things do run. They're they're super fun. Well, they looked fun, anyways. I didn't catch <laughs> a big one there. And I love how they look. They virtually have no spots on them. They're almost like a sockeye. Right. Yeah, it was a super cool looking fish. Um, we got one more question for you here, Kerry. Kind of. Uh, so with our podcast, we kind of do um, a real tale. We call it at the end of our pod, and we figured maybe you'd be a good one. You'd probably have um, a good fishing story that kind of was either a hair raising adventure or, or some kind of disaster uh, that you could uh, tell tell the folks about. Well, I got a cool one. I thought about it for a little bit, and I don't have any near-death experiences with fishing, but I got one good story. And uh, So we were in in Florida, in Boca Grande, Florida, if you know where that is. Yeah. I don't know if you... Have you ever watched the PTTS for the Pro Tarpon Tour? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we went there and did that right then. Oh, wow. So we went and did it for three days, and it was awesome. But there's many ways to catch tarpon. And it's, that's uh, the one where there's just all boats everywhere, hey, kind of in that bay? It's synchronized craziness. Yeah. Everybody working together. You're jumping from boat to boat. It's amazing. It's one of the coolest things I've ever done in a boat. Right. Um, so we did that for a little bit, and it was great, and we caught some fish. Um, caught my first tarpon ever doing that. Right. But after we got bored of that, we went out into these channels where the shipping routes are, where they bring the big freighters into Florida. So we go out there, and what you do is you go and you cruise around, and you look for these schools of these tarpon rolling around, swimming, following each other. So we go out there, and they're, they're called calico, calico crabs there. So you hook a little calico crab on, and you pitch it out. Right. And you, like, sneak up on the school of these fish, and you pitch it out there in amongst them, and you hope to get one. <laughs> and I got one, and it was huge, and it was awesome, and it fought forever. Wow. Brought it in. Held it up for my awesome picture, just smiled like crazy. And uh, so I look and I throw it in the water, beautiful release, it was awesome, it swims away. And then all of a sudden I see this massive brown shadow that had to be 15 feet long. Oh. And in one bite, half of a 150 pound tarpon swims up. And then we see this fish swim around again and take the second bite. And that was the end of my first tarpon. <laughs> <laughs> and what what was that? Uh, like a, a lemon shark or a bull shark or something? It was a huge bull shark. Oh, wow. that That's crazy. Yeah. Like you kind of seen those on YouTube and stuff, but that's unbelievable that you've seen it in real life. And in that same day, in that morning, my brother got his first one in the past doing that craziness. Really? And I guess it's a normal thing there. So um, our guide, he's in there, and you can't really, it's so crazy there. You don't get to pull a fish out of the water and take a picture. You kind of you lead her in, and then you smile for the picture and let him go on the side, right? Yeah. Well, the shark came right up out of the water to bite our fish, and our <laughs> guide used an open hand and punched it in the nose and knocked it away. Gee, <laughs> that guy's hard as nails, dude. <laughs> That's crazy. And the whole time you're in there, the sharks know you're in there. So oh, they're yeah. schooling around the school of these tarpon. Wow. Uh, it's just an amazing thing. If you ever get a chance, go to the Boca Grande and do it. It's incredible. One, uh, yeah, one of like my bucket list things is to do the um, the 50 different species in the Florida Keys in seven days. Like a, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I read an article on it, and I was like, before I die, Borth, like, we got to go down there and, and do that. Like I think it would be an awesome kind of turn 40 or something and go down there for a week and do yeah. that yeah it'd be pretty cool absolutely 
Well, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Gary. We appreciate it a lot, and have, we've yeah, had a blast. Awesome. Um, is there uh, any sort of last-minute things that you would uh, you would like to talk about, or maybe you can pitch your company one last time um, before sure. we sign off? Anybody wants to come out and have a great adventure fishing or horseback riding or quadding or ocean fishing out on the west coast of Vancouver Island, give me a call at Blackwater Guiding. We do it all, and we do it all well. Right, that's that's awesome. Maybe we after this we'll get your info and then we can post uh, something on uh, Instagram and on Facebook there for you. Just Definitely, so yeah. People can have somewhere to go to get your reference. Yeah, and we can put all all the links in the notes for the podcast too, so it'll just be uh, quick and easy for folks who are interested. Yeah, definitely. I'm up for that for sure, man. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Carrie, and we're. Uh, we're super pumped to see you on Saturday, I guess, for the PCM Memorial Derby. You guys should come Friday night for the big bash while everyone's getting liquored when they shouldn't. The <laughs> oh, really? I, I didn't know about this bash. No, come Friday night, man. Oh, okay. We'll, uh, we'll talk to our significant others about it. We'll <laughs> let you know. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll see you then. All right, Carrie. Thanks All right, a lot. Carrie, thanks. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the podcast. And remember, you can find us on Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, and our website is www.gillseekers.com, and our podcast is on iTunes, Podcast Addict, and Stitcher. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we're looking forward to getting another good podcast underway here soon, and in the meantime, good luck fishing, and we will see you next week on the Gill Seekers Podcast. <laughs>